practice. So the, the comment about uh, feeling a lack of kind of kindness and gentleness towards oneself and approaching experience, being maybe a little hard on ourselves, and perhaps making that too much of a project to, to, try, <laughs> to try to actually cultivate kindness towards ourselves. Um, yeah, that's a very interesting and apt comment because that, that can happen. Um, and it's, it's good to be able to notice that. And usually I think we can trust our instincts if we feel like uh, even a really wholesome aspiration, like cultivating greater kindness and compassion for ourselves, we can we can usually feel, get some intuitive sense of, oh, this is maybe starting to become a little bit of a project, a little bit of agenda, like I'm pushing towards this and I'm trying to force it when it's not really ready to come naturally. So if, if we notice that happening, then we can just kind of, you know, back off from that a little bit. There's There's many, many different angles to approach the practice from, you know, so for myself, in the early days settling into a retreat, I do find it uh, most helpful to be very simple in the practice, to, to let it, to let the, the awareness deepen of its own accord, rather than really trying to push for you know, some penetrating level of, of seeing things or seeing things in a particular way, to just let it reveal itself really how it is, and then just to let it deepen naturally, which it will do. We can trust it to do that. Um, for others of us, it's more helpful at the beginning of a retreat or, or helpful in general to, to cultivate that sense of kindness, to give ourselves a big break for once, and to, to reassure ourselves that it's okay, we can handle it. So there's, there's many different attitudes, skillful attitudes, that we, that we need to bring to approaching practice. And we can kind of suss out what those are for us at different times. Yeah, but we need, we need to watch out for anything that becomes an agenda anything that becomes a project, which could be all sorts of things. Yeah, so it's fine to let it just be simple and just spend maybe a little bit of time on cultivating the, the metta. So I'm confused. So, I'm like, right. so then I was really, I was all in your, I was confused and I'm not aware and I think I'm aware. So um, I needed to start again. And I was wondering why that wouldn't be aware. Okay, yeah. So the question is about chipmunk practice. <laughs> which can be a wonderful practice. I indulge in it often myself. Uh, the chipmunks can be great allies to us here on retreat. So I remarked last night, apparently, <laughs> about the, the limitations of chipmunk practice. 
So, you know, it is possible to be outside in nature and a little critter comes along, you know, whether it's a chipmunk or some other little creature or just the beauty of nature itself. And we're, we're kind of in that and we're aware of that and we're aware of our surroundings. Um, that's a certain degree of awareness, you know, so it's, it's uh, more aware than being lost in some thought train which can also happen during chipmunk practices. We then start ruminating on, you know, the virtues of chipmunkhood. You know, we can go off in that direction. But we can also just be there and be present, you know, watching what's happening. But there may be a, a limited awareness in that. So that's an awareness that's really looking out. You know, and this is something that we very easily fall into when we're in, in motion, when we're in movement, when we're outside in this kind of more stimulating environment is that the awareness tends to get drawn out or very easily gets drawn out into focusing on what's around us rather than staying grounded on the inner experience. You know, so, so in chipmunk practice, it's still the same question. Do, am I aware of what my actual experience is right now? You know, how does the body feel? What's the mind doing? You know, am I just completely absorbed in the watching, which is a certain level of awareness, or do I really feel what the, the, the experience in here of the watching is? if that makes sense. So we always want to stay grounded in what's, what's the experience in this fathom-long body. And it's, it's a little bit of a subtle distinction, but on retreat at a certain point, again, we tend to become aware of, okay, there's a certain level of presence with being in the beautiful environment, but really there's this kind of you know, going out into it, getting wrapped up in it, indulging in it, rather than really staying aware of what my own experience is. So not to diss chipmunk practice, you know, it can be, it can be really skillful. It is important to, to balance out our, our um, experience here. So, you know, especially at times when we've had kind of a hard stretch and it's been kind of grim and we feel kind of beaten up by whatever has been going on, it can be very skillful, you know, to go out into the woods and take in the beauty and the, the little critters, look up at the sky and, you know, get some balance of joy and joyfulness and awe to keep our energy in balance, but still remembering to keep checking in, okay, do I know what's actually happening right now? So to do it mindfully. Let's see, is anybody back? Okay, there's a big hand going up here. <laughs> um, I have a question regarding balancing the chipmunk practice and being aware of what's outside. Um, so yesterday I took my mindfulness walking around the loop and I, ended up getting lost, which you know you could do on the loop. And I was really like focusing on like the sounds of my foot, you know, feet and all of that. Um, and then the next thing I know I was somewhere I didn't know where I was, you know, it was weird. Um, and so my question is how do I like in normal life you have to you have to be outwards focused, right? So you don't hit, get hit by a car or whatever. Like, how do you maintain mindfulness and outwards awareness at the same time? It's a, a good question, and we'll probably talk about this more as we get closer to the end of the retreat and going back out into the world, but it's about um, how to be mindful in a more uh, kind of ordinary state of the mind where we are outward directed. We are focusing our energy outwards and interacting with our environment, interacting with other people, uh, trying to find our way without getting lost in the woods, you know, and all of those kinds of things. So, um, you know, this is really a crucible here. You know, IMS is, is a laboratory. 
you know, it's, it's this very specialized kind of environment that's been very fine-tuned, optimized, tweaked over many years to be just the, you know, the most optimal environment for doing this particular aspect of the practice, which is the contemplative aspect, which is only one part of the path. Um, the Eightfold Path is usually divided into three aspects. So there's the aspect of skillful understanding, have to, having to do with our cognitive understanding, our intellectual framing of what's going on. Um, and there's the, the whole aspect of, of skillful action in the word, world, you know, our livelihood, our speech, our activity. And then there's this aspect, which we're working on here, this particular contemplative aspect of really cultivating mindfulness, awareness, and hopefully experiencing insight and learning really deeply about things in a way that we can't learn about them in our ordinary lives because the conditions aren't usually right. So we practice in this really weird way here, you know, this very ancient but very strange way of, you know, really nasal gazing, navel gazing, and, you know, really looking inside and becoming extremely sensitive to our internal experience. And that serves a certain purpose in cultivating insight and helping us to see things more deeply. But then, obviously, we go back out into our ordinary lives and we don't practice in that way. (laughs) You know, we don't want to get lost in the, the woods on our way to wherever we're going. Um, but, but it turns out that there's a lot of transferable skills that we learn here. So the more time that we spend practicing in this very specific way, you know, it's, it's like you know, training for a triathlon or something, or this, this crazy race that they were doing over here you know, <laughs> in Barrie this last weekend. You, know, you have to train to be able to do that. So we're in training here. We're in training for our ordinary lives cultivating wisdom, cultivating mindfulness, cultivating skills that we'll then be able to take out and put into practice in a way that looks different in ordinary life. doesn't look like it looks here, but still is very useful. So we're, so we're strengthening that mindfulness muscle so that we can uh, have that strength to call on and, and many other wholesome qualities to call on when we're out in the world. Uh, we need them to, to manage. Maybe one last one. Oh, all right. <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> um, so I really, I really like this practice, and um, I'm just, I'm wondering whether I'm deluded in thinking, though, that you know, I seem to have moments where I'm pretty still, and I feel like, I feel like it could move into investigation. Um, which, which to me would mean, and I don't, I'm not entirely sure what that. I'm always playing with what that means. I think it means looking for greed, hatred, and delusion, or impermanent suffering and no self. It, it's sort of bringing up those kind of checklists. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm wondering if there's a way, though, to move more, more maybe more precisely into this practice, um, and if you could say anything about how to how to get more precise, um, I mean, is it just more noting or, um... Okay, that's a, that's a good question, it's kind of a big question. <laughs> so the question's about when things do start to calm down and settle down, and it seems like there's the, the potential, the capacity to start seeing more deeply, seeing more subtle things, then how, how do we deepen the practice? Is that kind of, yeah, and she, uh, this person has remarked that, 
Uh, they're familiar with a lot of the lists. You know, as mo many of you know, we teach from a lot of lists in this tradition from the days when it was, was orally transmitted. So maybe going through the lists and looking for hindrances or maybe looking for wholesome factors. Um, that's possible, and some people do practice that way. Um, in this, this group of teachers, we usually um, uh, teach a, a more open approach. So rather than asking specifically, well, like, is this factor there? Is this aspect there? Things that we may have heard in the teachings, to, to open it up to a more intuitive investigation. So when we talk about investigation as an enlightenment factor, which I don't know if we'll get to in this retreat or not, um, we don't really mean that, that intellectual investigation. You know, it's not a conceptual exploration of what's going on. It's more this drawing near. So if we're going to ask a question, it might be what else is going on in this experience. You know, things have gotten kind of calm. All, you know, all of the hindrances have kind of quieted down. They're not screaming at me so much. So, so what else is going on? And then other things may reveal themselves. More nuance to, to the sensation in the body or more subtle mental states may reveal themselves. So this quality of investigation, which is really important in the practice, it's, it's um, this quality of like plunging in, you know, immersing ourselves into the experience more deeply. Or we might compare it to, you know, when we first start our practice, we're, we're, kind of, we're holding the flower at arm's length and just kind of noticing, okay, there's a pretty flower. And as investigation strengthens, it's like we're drawing it close and we stick our face into it. <laughs> you know, we can feel the petals and we can really smell the scent and really get to know that flower in a more intimate way. So it's this process of kind of gradually dropping in and becoming more intimate. What else can I feel in this experience? And kind of leaving it open. So it's, it's a little bit, uh, I find it a little bit like working with koans in the Zen tradition, if anybody's ever done that. So, you know, in koan practice, the question is asked intellectually, you know, like, what is this or something? Um, what's the sound of, you know, one hand clapping? But then the answer has to be experiential. The answer has to come from direct reality, direct experience. So we can ask, okay, what else is going on here? and then feel the answer in the body, feel the answer in the mind. Yeah, and we, this is a good thing to talk about more in interviews, is ways to start to, to look more closely and deepen the practice, because we are at the point now, a few days in, where um, things might be starting to settle a little bit more, you know, maybe the hindrances aren't screaming quite so loud all the time, maybe there are some moments of relative calm, relative balance, and those, those moments are really... Uh, important. Those are really valuable moments. It might seem like it's just a tiny fraction of the day, but really they're incredibly powerful. Uh, just a few moments of real mindfulness can be incredibly transformative. It doesn't have to be, you know, hours on end of presence to, for us to really see something and learn something valuable. So we'll be continuing with the interviews today. Um, so everybody should have been seen by the end of this morning in their first interview group. So either yesterday or this morning, you should have an interview group. If you weren't on the list yesterday and you're not on today, then let the office know and we'll uh, make sure you're included. And Mark and Kamala are going to be switching their interview rooms for the 11 o'clock group. It's posted on the board, but so if you're in their second group, Mark will be in Kamala's room and Kamala will be in the welcome room. <laughs> We'll get it sorted out. And also this afternoon at 3.30, uh, Mark is going to be offering mindful qigong movement. So a chance to move the body 
you know, quietly, mindfully, and explore uh, the physical experience in a very delightful and different way. And oh, right, downstairs in the lower walking room, so just below this hall is where that will be. Okay, have a mindful and enlightening day.